Episode number 22, niching. I think that's a word. We talk about specializing and taking your local service business national. Today's call was a bit of a different one with a traditional type business owner who's been in a very, very, very competitive industry for almost 30 years. He shares his story about how he's adapted over those 30 years and how he's found ways to niche down and serve his customers' needs and become the specialist provider in some specific market segments to basically cut him away from the competition and stop competing on on price. He talks about how this niching concept and and specialization concept has allowed him to expand his local service business to compete on a national scale. And he gives us some tips on how we can find ways to do this in our businesses too, whether it's just tweaking a product or creating a whole sub-brand to service a, a specific niche. This is a bit of a different call, but I think we'll all get a lot out of this because it it really talks to uh, every the need that we all have to innovate um, in this in this techno- technologically <laughs> crazy uh, environment of, uh, of disruption. Um, he also <laughs> tells a story, I guess, today about how he used a bare bum, a backside, 10 or 15 years ago in an advertising campaign that has created a lasting brand impression that's still working today. So that was a fun, fun little story too. I think you'll get a lot out of this one. If you do, don't forget to go and leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play and also go and subscribe for some regular giveaways, free updates and a whole heap of other fun, very fun stuff at thelocationstation.com. Niching and specializing. Enjoy this one. Welcome to the Location Station, where we learn from extraordinary marketers and business owners about all the latest location-based marketing tactics and technologies so you can attract and retain more customers near your business or brand. I'm your host, Dave Eddy. I'm extremely grateful for your time and attention today. So let's get cracking. Today's guest is Ian Jones. Jonesy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, mate. Pretty well. Good. Now, Ian is the founder and managing director of an insurance broking firm called Ian Jones Insurance Brokers and another two companies called Floor Insure and Newsure. I wanted to get Ian on the show today because he's got a really impressive story. He's been in the very competitive insurance broking industry for almost coming on 30 years this year, which I'm sure that makes you feel a bit old, <laughs> Jonesy, but it's also <laughs> impressive. So yes, in, that, in that time, he's, he's had obviously a lot of experience in a, in a really competitive, uh, cutthroat, you might say, industry that's undergone a lot of change with the internet. And he's been able to adapt his business uh, to, uh, to not only maintain and, and stay afloat, but, but prosper. And he's got some really interesting insights for any of you business owners out there or marketers who are thinking, oh, well, my industry is getting more competitive by the day. Uh, uh, I don't know how to compete in this disruptive world. I'm being, uh, I'm being taken over by big corporate competitors or the internet. I don't understand it. Um, so I think you'll get a lot of, lot of, uh, value out of, out of Jonesy's story. So, um, Jonesy, there's a little insight on you. Did you want to just um, introduce yourself and, and tell our, uh, our audience a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. Um, Ian Jones, I uh, born and bred in Newcastle, um, as my family has been the last 
number of generations, and um, I started in insurance, uh, or started in the insurance game in 1987, March of 1987. So it's coming up to 30 years since I've actually been involved in the industry um, this March. Um, when I started, I, uh, I got into what they call, uh, the, I suppose, the life insurance sector of the industry, which is basically selling life insurance products and whatnot. And um, I, uh, I, I, I was a, uh, an electrician in those days, building mining substations. Um, and I suppose I went into a, didn't really like it, and I went into a um, interview with a company called Capita Financial Group, um, which is a very old established life insurance company. And I got the interview and uh, got the job straight off, which I was quite chuffed about. Only to realise <laughs> that on the Monday morning I rolled up and there was 30 other guys. Of course, I got the job. Um, so <laughs> Congratulations, Ian! You're number sales. 29. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I didn't know how to take that, but anyway. I, I stuck with it, and uh, the idea was, of course, that you market uh, life insurance products, so income protection, um, life insurance itself, and superannuation and savings plans and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I started to do that and did that for uh, a couple of years before I switched across to a company called Legal and General, which is another life insurance company. Mm -hmm. And um, and after about a year there, I, I started to realise that general insurance, which is the other side of insurance spectrum, which is for things like building insurance, property, liability, um, marine and aviation and all that sort of stuff so basically general insurance as you see walking around you know the, the, the cities you know people insure things mm -hmm. so i started to get into that and i found i had a, a, a more of a natural understanding for that um, mm -hmm. i was doing very well in the life stuff but i i sort of just seemed to have a better um a better understanding of the general insurance industry as to how i could actually market it to people and, and get it to people mm -hmm. and started to do that and, and i um Went from there, so I signed up uh, quite a number of life insurance guys to provide me their general insurance clients uh, or their, their their own life clients to for me to provide general insurance to them, and um, that went on and on. And as time went on, uh, the years went on, I, I all of a sudden had a business. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I suppose by the time from 21 years of age to 30, I classed as my apprenticeship, and when I turned 30, I suppose I hit my straps as far as... Mm -hmm getting a name where I was old enough to and had enough experience to mm -hmm. to have people trust me in what I was doing and what I was advising on. Mm -hmm. Got it. And here we are now, 30 years later. <laughs> now, the same thing. Well, one, thing, uh, one thing that I really want to dig into today, which is a little bit different to our normal uh, interviews where we talk about specific digital marketing or even offline marketing tactics and strategies, is I want to talk about how you've gone about adapting your general insurance business from from a young buck <laughs> to um yeah. to niching finding some specific i don't even know if niching is a word in the dictionary but we're gonna use it anyway um oh, well, that sounds good yeah yeah we, we know what it means um niching your business finding um finding specific markets that you can cater to and and really digging into those so i'd love to get into that and also um uh, you mentioned that you mentioned that you hit your straps at a certain point. I happen to know that you've also done a really good job at uh, at building yourself um, out of your business a couple of times to a to a point where you've got a, a good lifestyle and you can spend time with the kids and 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 the wifey. Um, so that'd be interesting to hear about too. But um, first, it'd be it'd be good to hear about how you um, how your marketing has adapted from day dot uh, when you're. Uh, when you're doing the general business insurance back in the 80s or 90s, um, and, and and what's changed and how you've sort of adapted to to the the different market climates. Yeah, well, it's um, 
it's changed uh, indescribably. I mean, I, I, when I first started in business, really the only way to get around, bear in mind, th- 30 year ago, insurance was really, you know, you're down there with politicians and car salesmen and, right. and real estate agents, so to speak. Um, so, you know, uh, um, I, I think it's um, it was very difficult to sort of, and there's such a young age to get out and have people trust you at a young age and, and on a topic that was, mm-hmm. I suppose, not frowned upon but it was, a, mm-hmm. it was a grudge purchase people didn't want to pay insurance they knew they had to so therefore you became the you mm-hmm. know the person that was taking the money off them yep. um, for giving nothing back in return if they, only if they had a claim mm-hmm. so that was a very tough thing to get around and and I, I knocked on doors I, I went from door to door so I literally um, went somewhere and um, I'd just go and knock on doors and introduce myself and mm-hmm. had the door slammed I had uh, a lot of profanities thrown at me I mm-hmm. had dogs put on me I had um all sorts of things happen, and um, and I would never wish on anyone in this day and age to do that again. But I did it for a long, long time, and and it got easier. Um, we did a lot of cold calls too, which um, mm-hmm. a little funny story there was picking up the phone to do a cold call where you might find someone in the, in an industry where you pick up, you know their name, it's in the paper, and you ring up and ask for a meeting with them, and and I found it very humiliating when people would hang up on me or whatever. So I invented a um, an Ian Jones associate who um, would ring up on behalf of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Did did he sound exactly like you? Very much so. (laughs) (laughs) So when when I'd I'd ring up and say, look, I'm trying to arrange an appointment for Mr. Jones. Um, He's in your your area next Thursday um, and he's got a time available at either 11am, 1pm or Mm. 3pm. What would suit? <laughs> um, if I was told to get stuffed and or, or whatever I was hung up on, it didn't feel so bad because they weren't hanging up on me; they hanging up on my my associate. So that was purely, uh, I guess, a, an ego deflation thing. You, you just the psych- yeah, yeah, very much a psychological thing. All um, right. Well, the, these days you could probably get one of those Darth Vader voice changes to put in front of your voice, so so you didn't. Sound well, you like would, it. you would. Um, I never had anyone uh, actually comment that um, when I, after I met them and say you sounded very much like my associate, but people found sound different over the phone, I suppose. Hello, Mr. Jones would like <laughs> but, a meeting with you. But, but, but it was what you had to do, but you know. It's just mm. what I did to get by it, and mm. and yeah, knocking on doors, you know, was hard. You know, so you did all those sorts of things, but mm. you had to do that to get out there. Other than yellow pages, which um, in those days also was quite expensive, and people mm. taking out big pages ads and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you, you had to get out there and, and talk to people, and mm-hmm. that's what insurance is about. Because insurance is basically relationship and trust business. Yeah, yeah. And um, yep. once you have that relationship and that trust, um, you mm-hmm. know, the business comes fairly freely. Yeah. So in those days, yeah, right through, I suppose, for the first 10 years, you, you're literally doing that. And then technology started to kick into play a bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are other more effective ways of advertising and you start to get into uh, mass marketing by mail, which um, mm-hmm. which was relatively inexpensive in those days and mm-hmm. certainly a lot cheaper than yellow pages and so forth um, that you could market to people mm-hmm. directly through mail. Mm-hmm. There was letterbox drops and that sort of thing and none of them, you know, that highly effective. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because um, you know, you you you've got to put a lot out to get back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the return. Yeah, yeah. Um, so pushing forward, you know, you come to a point where, um, you know, when the the internet has has kicked in, and um, yeah, we we are where we are now. Um, I, I still say to people, I'm knocking on doors, but now I'm doing it. You know, two or three thousand at a time mm, by email and, uh, and waiting for the response by email. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it is uh, far more efficient, of course, um, and you, uh, you cast a broader brush a- across uh, different sectors and different um, mm-hmm. uh, communities. But um, 
yeah, a lot more effective. I, I, as I said, I hate to be going out knocking mm. on doors again. It'd be, yeah, it, it's very deflating. Rather than so, rather than uh, knocking on doors, you're getting you're sending out emails, and rather than putting ads in the yellow pages, you've got a website that Google is sending you That's traffic right. to. Right. Yeah. That's so, right. That's right. So uh, I assume being a business to business type um, company like you are and targeting. Uh, uh, business type insurance clients that um, that relationship piece is still super important uh, for you uh, if, if someone's got a massive insurance account you know um, it's it's hard to imagine that they would just react to a, a cold email or a, or, a, or a knock on the door so I, I'd assume that the relationship building is still super valuable but something that so, something that I really wanted to dig down in on is um, what you've done around uh, creating these niche markets and figuring out okay there's opportunity here for me to be, become more than a local area sort of um, focused general insurance broker here mm. I can I can dig down and 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 become an authority in the space nationwide. Um, can you just talk yeah. us talk us through how that came about and and um, and, and share your story there? Yeah, well, it, look, I mean, it, as time went on, I ended up having a, a substantial client base and 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 you know, and a business and a reputation and so forth, and mm-hmm. had all those um, eggs in my basket. I, I could then look and say, okay, well, what if I focused on a particular industry or, or so, and uh, mm-hmm. and started to specialise in the insurances they actually needed and um and become a I suppose an expert so to speak in, in that insur- in that area. Mm-hmm. And um and at the time I had a, a few um carpet retailers and flooring industry um clientele um that had come to me by referral. So from one you know, from simply from one retailer or another one said I'd give give um Ian Jones a call and he'll be able to look after you and I did and mm-hmm. and then um I thought well, why don't I start to market this and I started to um Push out, uh, or I start. I, I created an identity called Floor Insure, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit more interesting than Ian Jones Insurance Brokers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in saying that, um, you know, the floor, in, the floor insure stuff I started to do is market myself through uh, different mediums, um, website and mm-hmm. electronic email distribution and so forth, mm-hmm. where people would think, look at it and say, well, this guy knows everything about the flooring industry for, to insure it. So it'd be contractors, retailers, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of contractors from carpet cleaners to concrete polishers to floor layers and so forth, mm-hmm. through to um, specialist flooring industries in health and, and, um, and education, high traffic areas mm-hmm. um, where flooring's got to be specific to mm-hmm. the, the use and, and there's certain insurance attributes that come with that yeah. um, that uh, that require special attention. Then there's mm-hmm. logistics and warehousing, importing, and uh, all that sort of stuff, which requires another mm-hmm. uh, specialisation. Um, so in doing all that, we sort of created... Oh, and sorry, and then also flooring supplies, so floor sanders, the sanding belts and and, mm-hmm. and sanding supplies and, um, and epoxies and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So then you're suddenly creating a whole industry around the flooring sector. So it's basically, we, we sort of say that if, you, if, you, if you're working on something you walk on, then we can insure you for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all to do with anyone who's working in the flooring industry as a contractor, um, uh, a supplier or whatever, distributor. And, um, and that sort of base took off from there in a specialisation. Yeah, so, so it was much more than just creating a brand and a website and saying, hey, we're now the specialists in flooring insurance. Uh, it, was, it was figuring out those logistic things and, the, and, the, and getting really good at the parts of the insurance process or the contracts, I guess, that the, that particular yeah. market needed. Well, you've got to clearly know exactly what all those sectors require specifically, yep. whether they require professional indemnity, 
mm-hmm. as well as public liability where they require you know stock insured in a certain way or yeah. you know all sorts of different things recall product recall insurance and mm-hmm. um, trade credit or trade indemnity insurance so there's a lot of different factors you got to look at and and go to these business owners and say oh look you know do you realize you don't have any cover for this and they say well mm-hmm. i thought i did mm-hmm. uh, so well no you don't but uh, from what you've given me but this is what we can do about that and mm-hmm. and bringing solutions to the insurance um mm-hmm. aspects of all those businesses yeah yeah and 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 marketing it cleverly so that people mm-hmm. want to call you, not so that we're always yeah. calling people, but you know people call you, and that's what happens now. Right, and so and because you're now known as the, the you know the flooring insurance flooring industry insurance experts in Australia, you're uh, I assume you're getting leads and inquiries from all around Australia, not just the the local right. area now. Right, cool. Yeah, yeah, and we've always marketed ourselves around Australia. You know, mm-hmm. we we always sort of I, mean, I think you got to because. Um, you know, the market's that big, um, and mm-hmm. from estimates I did many years ago, um, when I started six years ago, mm-hmm. in that sector was um, that there's about 14,000 industry, uh, sorry, occupations, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. owners of businesses in the flooring sector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 14,000 is a lot um, to, yeah. to run off. Yeah. Yeah. So you had to market the whole lot of them. Yeah. And, you know, as time goes on, you know, we're, we're now a recognised brand um wherever we ring, you know, people have heard of us and that's only taken five or six years to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yet I've been in business, um, I've been in business 30 years, so, um, and, I, and I think it can apply to most industries, not most, but a lot of people in business yeah. could specialise in a particular niche area. Absolutely. Um, in, in many, uh, in many well, games. Well, we see a lot in the, in the digital industry, there's, um, there's agencies out there that go, okay, we, um, we are really good at building websites for home improvement type businesses or trades businesses yep. and and that's all we do we're going to get really good at it. we know what kind of content yep. those businesses need we know what kind of imagery they they use to market um or the booking systems they use all, all that kind of stuff and we're going to get good at yep. that and then suddenly if i'm sitting if i'm a business owner with a home improvement business i'm sitting in melbourne with a quote from my guy down the road who does all types of websites and a guy up in Brisbane who specializes only in my type of industry, then yep. suddenly that's a really compelling buying reason to buy off, off, off the specialist. Yeah. So yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that I think that we can all have a think about that and think about who who we're servicing in our industry and why are we different. And it can come down to your product and it can come down to your service and, and your systems and your technology and stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, you need to have some sort of different um, – uh, point of difference because otherwise it's it just a race to the bottom and it's price price yeah. based. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and um, you know, I suppose in that respect, I mean, you know, you, you got to know the banter, you got to know the mm. the industry you're going to invade, so to speak. And mm. you know, you got to be able to have a bit of a knowledge and understanding of the the the, the, the banter they carry on with because mm. sometimes you end up talking to some people and they'll talk to you in a language in their own yeah. language. Like I, I could do an insurance, yeah. unless you know that language. Um, yeah. You know, you look like a bit of a fool if you're sort of asking or questioning people on what they're talking about and you're supposed to be insuring the whole industry. So <laughs> yeah. And it's I, important I, that you get a, to know a few things about it. Especially relevant in an industry like yours where you need to know the terminology and, you know, every little semantic detail of the policies and that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. And we also did that for the news agency industry as well. So a similar sort yeah. of thing. News agencies we've been doing for yeah. 17 years or something, I think. Um, yeah. Um, or 15 years or whatever it is, but um, and that's news yeah, show. the same sort of thing applies. So that's news sure. So we mm-hmm. specialise in news agencies and a specialty products for the lotteries office um, mm-hmm. or, or TATs 
which is um, uh, indemnity for lottery winnings um, in the event that um, that uh, someone issues a wrong ticket or something or the, the yeah. you know whatever claim might be. So Got we're it. one of only five brokers in Australia that can do that. Yeah, right. And so for, for the listeners out there who are who their brain's ticking over thinking, all right, I've maybe maybe you're out there listening and you've um, you've uh, operated in in a local radius or a state and you've hit hit your limit. You've got your your market share and you don't really know how else to grow and you feel like oh, it's a big effort to open another office in another city or, or a region. How else can I grow? And and this is sounding like you know an option. Finding a niche and, and focusing, mm-hmm. you know, having a sub brand or something like that to focus. What um, what uh, other steps do you think that they need to take first to figure out, you know, where is that that gap in the market? Um, well, number one, they've got to make sure they can supply the market, you know, further afield than what, where, where they're geographically located. Yeah. Um, so obviously, if they're supplying a product, then it comes down to the website about being able to order online and supply that product within a respected time frame yeah. uh, and deliver it. Um, and that sort of stuff obviously happens all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're giving advice and whatnot, then you're pretty well unlimited on where you can go. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're providing advice and recommendation on things and about a particular product um, um, that you can do um, remotely, um, yeah. then there's no reason why you can't go across mm-hmm. Australia um, yeah. and look at clients out of Queensland, Western Australia, or, or wherever it might be. Or even the international. We even, we even do business with people in New Zealand um, yeah. you know, in the flooring sectors because... Um, you know, it's our little brother, I suppose, so to speak, across the Tasman. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. no, and there's they're very similar laws, so we can actually do stuff with them. And I'm sure there's a lot of industries can mm-hmm. do um, do business with New Zealand. Yeah, right. I, I think there's so many opportunities, like especially when we're, we're talking technology, we're talking communications getting easier, um, international... Uh, in doing international business is more of a reality for some of the traditional business businesses out there listening. What what um, what would you say um, as a rough figure, like pre pre niching down into um, floor insure, for example, pre doing that versus now? Like, what percentage of your your customers are um, from with in your local area versus outside um, compared to what it used to uh. be? Well, I, I suppose there are still a lot that are local because, <clears throat> as I said, my yeah. The brokerage is quite well established when I started Floor Insure and New Shore. Um, yeah. Well, not that much New Shore, but yeah. they're certainly um, in respect to those. We've still got a lot of local customers, but mm-hmm. in saying that, a lot of those local customers also that aren't in, involved in those groups come from other states as well. And yeah. it might be because the clients moved there or yeah. or they've got a friend over there who they referred to and they've rung me from Western Australia or whatever and said, oh, look, you, mm-hmm. know, you do work for Bill Smith. Can you help me out? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I can... Um, I, you know that's easy enough for me to do, but I, I suppose um, as a rational, um, I don't know if you said maybe thirty to forty percent mm-hmm. might be outside of outside of my, my immediate geographical area. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that uh, that to me is a pretty impressive number, given that you know insurance broking in general is pretty competitive. There's not, it's not like there's not many of you around. Um, no, and it, lots. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Cool. Awesome. And so, uh, give us a bit of insight into what what you've done, like based on having having these uh, these sub brands and, and knowing knowing these customers' needs and having in, you know knowledge of their industry. How did you go about? How have you gone about marketing to those niche audiences? Okay, we um, I think with insurance, number one, you know, you have to have the the products that they need, and and uh, fortunately with insurance, I suppose the bottom line is that 
everyone classes insurance with a with a broad brush in that you know you have public liability that's what it is if you have business insurance that's what it is mm-hmm. um the one thing with um with insurance and the true fact is that all insurance policies aren't the same yeah, yeah. so you can differentiate yourselves by saying that you know well look you know, our products you know, have these sorts of endorsements or these sorts of sublimits and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to what you have now. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, you've got to be able to let people know that. But the key thing is to give them the right advice, you know, the yeah. correct advice on what they've got, what mm-hmm. they need. And even at some points where we'll say to clients, why have you got that? They say, I don't know. The, mm-hmm. the broker just told me I had to have it. <laughs> so you ask them questions about what they're doing and you say, well, you don't even need that. Yeah. yeah. So you can cancel that and save yourself $2,000. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then... Yeah, you know, one of the biggest things, um, which is one of my sayings, um, you know, I think it's on my website, and the bitterness, the bitterness of a poor quality insurance policy remains long after the sweetness of low prices is <laughs> forgotten. And, yeah, and that yeah. can apply yeah, to yeah. a lot of industries. You know, the people buy on price, yeah. and when the thing breaks down or when it all goes pear-shaped, mm-hmm. um, you know, they realise that it wasn't such a good price after all because mm-hmm. now it costs them four times or five times or insurance cases, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand times what they what they saved. Mm-hmm. Um so you know the, that advice in what they're listening to from a, from their broker is very important that they understand and also trust the advice that he's giving. Yeah, yeah. More so. Um, and, and so for and it, for Florinshore, for example, and and or Florinshore or and or Newshore, um, given that you've got like a specialist product and and it's you know built for um, that that exact customer, does that mean that yep. you can charge more, or does it mean you can? Um, how, how's the pricing work with that? Well, we, I mean, it's a premium that's negotiated with the insurance company. So we can go yeah. to the insurance companies and say, look, this is what we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you do for us? What endorsements and sublimits and um, and other factors of insurance policies have? What can you give us and how you make those better? What carrots, so to speak, can you put there to, mm-hmm. to make the insure, insured um, understand that he's getting good quality product and, and good quality benefits? Yeah. So... You know, once you're doing all that and you have those things in place, the premium is then set. Mm. And now the premium we can then negotiate and say, look, you know, yeah, we've got, you know, this might be your premium for X amount of stores, for example, carpet retailers, for example, but we've got, you know, 400 on our books or 600 or wherever it might be. Yeah, yeah. So we can turn around and say, you know, how much, you know, what would you do for all those if we could give you all those? And then you have your real bargaining power. So we can go and present our groups, whether it be contractors or retailers or whatever, to... The insurers and say look we've, we've got x amount of this one particular group and this is how much they're paying mm-hmm. um this is their claim so this is how much that's going to cost the insurance companies to have them right. what can you do for us yeah well yeah the insurance companies will turn and say well gee that's um we're going to make you know x percent out of your portfolio yeah um we're we're quite happy and quite prepared to give you this Right, and once we've got that, we go back to the clients and say we've got a new deal. So I think that's a really important lesson for anyone listening out there, thinking you know that this niching thing uh, could be an option for them. Not only is it is it you know giving you value on on the acquisition end of of being able to market and acquire customers, but also potentially on the back end with your supply chain and uh, and and yeah. getting getting better buying power and, and better rates to then potentially you know if you can come back with a really competitive price because you've got those deals at the back end uh then you become you know more and more attractive for for that front end again so it, yeah. it really yeah. sounds like a win-win-win if you can get it right well your name gets around pretty quick too because people yeah. sort of will say oh, i'll go and see this this business because they're yeah. you know they're specialists in that area yeah. they saved yeah. me a, a, they saved me a heap of money and they're specialists in my industry that's pretty <laughs> it's pretty strong yeah, yeah. Uh, buying proposition 
It is. It is. Yeah, right. Awesome. So um, tell us about LinkedIn because I know that you've done a little bit with LinkedIn. Yeah, we do a lot with them. Um, we, 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 before, we, originally with LinkedIn, I had my profile as Ian Jones um, as an insurance broker and it, it goes back to that specialisation thing again where, mm. you know, I could put myself out there on LinkedIn as an insurance broker as did every other insurance broker and, um, you know, it wasn't really much for anyone to look at, you know, so what, you're an insurance broker. Um, it didn't sort of impress anyone. Um, mm. Not those out there to impress anyone, but it didn't sort of get. They didn't get the phone ringing. Mm. Um, so the, one night I had a, a, a brainchild of actually just changing <laughs> from Angel's insurance brokers to just floor insure, mm-hmm. and I commenced to um, connect with um, oh, a vast number of flooring retailers and contractors and anyone who, had, who was involved in the flooring industry um, by asking to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so they look at my my profile. <clears throat> excuse me, my. Um, my keywords at the top of your LinkedIn profile mm-hmm. and uh, and read into what you do and, mm-hmm. and how you go about it and mm-hmm. um, and once again that started to get people sort of hooking yeah. up with me and all of a sudden I had people from um, you know CEOs of major carpet retailing groups and um, yeah. you know even the, the CEO of a, a major carpet manufacturer over in the mm-hmm. Netherlands um, mm-hmm. wanted to hook up with me as a connection yeah. and this sort of stuff and we actually ended up doing work for them over in, in Australia from the importing carpet in Australia. Wow. So. You know, that sort of stuff, um, people sort of see our profile and say, okay, well, it's, um, you know, you're, you're a specialist in the area. Yeah. And it enabled me to then gain around about 1,200 um, uh, connections within the flooring industry mm-hmm. over a short space of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I cleared all my... One of, one of the key things with LinkedIn is if, if your connections aren't any good to you and, and you don't expect you're going to get anything out of them, get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no point in having a connection from some guy or girl you met at a seminar you know, in, in, in Melbourne one time and, you know, you got back and you hooked up with them by connection and they're mm-hmm. not going to get anything out of them. There's no point in having them as a connection. Yeah, yeah, um, it just floods your you feet up. A, it does. And, uh, and you, the key to LinkedIn is you're marketing to a captivated audience, so mm-hmm. captive audience. So, you know, you're marketing to people that are in that industry. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. point in marketing to people in another industry that has nothing to do with what you're trying to sell. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so there's there's a, there's a, I guess a couple of pro tips there from from Ian. Uh, get your get your digital presence, your your um your assets, you know, optimized and updated and and searchable. Um, so LinkedIn, obviously, if you're business to business type um, type firm and you're specialising in a certain niche, say it. Uh, you, you want to have a you want to have your website optimized for those kind of terms you know so if someone yep. googles flooring insurance specialist which um, you could do on google.com.au i'm sure flooring uh floor insure uh, ian jones slash floor insure comes up very high on the list um yep. so that you're being found uh, on google facebook linkedin wherever you think that your customers are, are searching for these specific keywords because they probably are um then you got to be you got to be out there you got you got to be found and that's just mon- that's money for jam I guess for you um, it is it is and the phone rings from it I, I, yeah. I can testify to it you know we've got some good business out of LinkedIn in particular and yeah. one of the one of the things I will say in that is that if people are not sure about how they should write their profile mm-hmm. and how they should present themselves mm-hmm. get some advice on it go to, go to a, go to a um, copywriter or a wordsmith yeah. so to speak and say look this is what I want to do can you can you help me or even a friend or Whatever. Some people aren't good at putting things together. A LinkedIn um, expert. Put it in present tense. Put it in your that you are the person, not your company. That you are the person that can handle all this inform- to handle this problem and right. and do this business. So, you know, and get that done. Do it a, profo- a proper profile shot done. You know, not not something 
you know, um, bungee jumping in. You know, <laughs> in New unless unless you're a bungee jumping a, business. <laughs> well, that's right. That's totally right. But, you know, you get, get a professional profile and shot done. And that yeah. can be done by selfie up against a plain white wall or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's got to be because people look at it. It's not Facebook. Yeah. No. It's LinkedIn. It's not right. Facebook. It's a bit, a bit more professional. People say LinkedIn's Facebook for business. Well, it is, and it's professional. So, uh, and everyone's on there for that. You um, you've got another little. Oh, I guess it was a marketing tactic or a campaign that you used to run back in might have been the nineties that I'd love for you to share with, with the audience if you want to. Uh, you know the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> Where they didn't know it's me or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that, that was quite, that, that still works to this day. It was a, a marketing company that I went to, <clears throat> a small guy that just started up, mm-hmm. and uh, he came up with the, the idea of um, the, the catchphrase um, um, of, of covering your assets. So it was cover your assets, and the cover your S-A-S-S S was in black and the E-T-S was in a faded sort of mustard colour. And it was a shot of a, a guy jumping naked with his back to the camera on the beach with just a pair of sand shoes on. He'd be doing a bit star jump. The <laughs> parts had been airbrushed out. I love <laughs> so that. We put it on billboards and we put yeah. it on all different sorts of stuff. And, and you know, and, and the, the response we got from it was the branding, the branding success of that was that People knew who you were because they'd seen it and laughed at it. Mm-hmm. Um, we did mm-hmm. have a couple of religious fanatics that didn't seem to think it was that funny, uh-huh. <laughs> or, or school teachers that thought it was crude because their kids, you know, had to drive past on the bus to see it on the highway or something. But uh-huh. taking all that aside, you know, you're always going to get that in any form of advertising, as we see these days. People want to criticise anything. It wasn't crude. It wasn't lewd. It was just a bare ass. Mm-hmm. And that was a simple fact. Cover your ass, Eds, mm-hmm. because um, <laughs> that, that, that was the gist of the whole thing. So, you know, wind the clock forward 15, 15 years, and, um, you know, we had... Um, I still get people saying, oh, you're the guy that naked ass ad, wasn't it? You know, and, and I still get people asking whether it was me or not. Isn't that interesting? Just by being that little bit controversial, you might piss off, you know, you might you might annoy 10% of yep. of the market, but sometimes it's worth it's worth being a bit out there and a bit, you know, uh, a, a bit risky if it's in line with your brand to um, yeah. to stick in people's heads, which, you know, well, is more, it's more important than ever. Yeah. Totally, totally um, out of left field of the brand itself of being insurance even. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and I even I even spoke to advertising executives and whatnot um, in their businesses about doing that thing where you create, um, let's call it half a million dollars worth of advertising mm-hmm. um, by doing something that was controversial where people spoke about it. Yeah. And, um, and then you ended up on the tail end of the news mm-hmm. because of what you'd done and do even a, you know, a, a brief interview or something and... Yeah, it was quite funny because you buy people did literally did that years ago, I believe, where they'd create something that was, you know, so risque, it didn't mm. cost them much, but let the the market do itself do that for them on on TV mm. and radio and just social media and around those days it has happened. But social media these days you can still do a similar sort of thing where you say something that's a little bit left mm. left field. And people sort of create a discussion on it. I think it probably well nowadays. Like I know scrolling through my Facebook feed, there's you know every every third fourth post is outlandish. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So right. so m- m- maybe you have to be a little bit more um, out there the, these days. But you know it can. You've got that that advantage. Well, not of being offensive, and not, not offending people. I mean, not, you know, mm. um, yeah. I, 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 you know, sometimes I think we go 
too politically correct, way too politically correct. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, you got to you got to think of people's feelings and whatever. That's all. That's natural. But certainly, there's certain things that people can do in marketing where it's it is outside the square, mm-hmm. and it gets people thinking, and gets people talking. That's the important thing about advertising. You got to get mm-hmm. people talking. Mm-hmm. And if they're talking about you and what you've done, then they're talking about you. Yeah. And what I found from that naked naked ass ad and the billboards and that was I said even now I can go and people say, Oh, that was you and people remember it from that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a pretty effective campaign. Definitely. <laughs> now, so yeah. th- this kind of, you know, uh, knowing you, knowing you pretty well, Jonesy, I know that you've got a sense of humour and you, and uh, you've got you've got some quirky taste in ornaments and music and and that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of looking forward I don't to. Know, music, music <laughs> quirky. Stones, maybe not. Quirky. No, maybe not quirky. <laughs> but um, I'm so I'm looking forward to this last bit of the uh, of the okay. call where we go through a few uh, questions just to get mm. to know you a bit better but before we do is there anything else around the whole niching um, uh, concept and, and taking your business um, you know from from a to b um, by innovating is there anything else that you'd like to say to our audience um, around that well once you've done it spend all the time you can on the first time you do it and make mm-hmm. sure you do it right and make sure you do it right before you go out there and make sure you know what you should know about the market you're going to yeah um and once you've done it it becomes so easy to replicate and i've yep. got another two or three markets over the next few years i will replicate on that the same process again yeah um yeah. and i said it doesn't affect not all people can do it not all businesses can do that sort of thing mm-hmm. but there's other similar similar things that people would be able to do in mm-hmm. creating a, a niche of sorts within their industries within their business mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um it's a matter of who they're providing their service or, or product to mm-hmm. and okay well how do you get the more people in that same one sector of business or community to buy it the better Mm. And that, that's a bit of a key. You've really got to think about it, but but mate, it works. It's um, you yeah, know I've often given it to various industries and people I know and and passed on that sort of um, I've had to say dispensing advice because I hate doing mm. that. But but you know but people sort of say oh that's a good idea and I know people have done it and it's mm. worked to a to a fair degree in their business. Yeah, and and it could just be get it right. It could just be one one flagship product uh, product that. Uh, helps you go a bit viral. Like I know of a, yeah. a cafe near me who um, created these these uh, crazy crazy milkshakes um, called Freak Shakes, and they're all these different flavors, and they're like you know about thirty centimeters high, like a foot high, and they just look ridiculous. When you see a photo of them, probably like four hundred million cal- <laughs> calories in every single one, but yeah. they just look crazy and they're different. And once they started pumping that out on Instagram and Facebook, they they got a massive spike in in uh, in customers and bums on seats yeah. and selling these things and yeah. now they're known uh, even though they're a full restaurant and they do breakfast and lunch and dinner and and all this other stuff tapas now they're known for these freak shakes and all it was was one idea what one little product yeah. so you might not be in an industry like ian where you can you know segment and and niche into you know focusing on one business to business market but is there something that you can do just a little bit different to uh, help your customers see you as you know having unique value and not being uh, just in that in that race for for pricing yeah. so um jonesy thank you thank you for all these insights i think they've been super uh, super interesting and uh, they're definitely going to be sparking some thoughts i think in our listeners minds and, and getting the brain ticking on some ideas on how they can go down a similar path because i think it I is very so. very important especially 
in this day and age where we've got to innovate or um, you know, or we're going to get disrupted by technology. So, mate, I'm looking forward to pumping through these 14 quick-fire questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty tame, they're pretty tame, but um, you've got a few seconds to answer each one um, okay. and you're allowed, right. you're allowed to pass one if you want. Are you ready? One. <laughs> Save <Go>. it. <laughs> First one's easy. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, Lambton High. In New South Wales, Australia. What was your yeah. first job and why didn't you stick to that job? Uh, an electrician. Um, but you don't want to be under houses in 38 degree heat like it is today. <laughs> no. That's why you didn't stick to it. <laughs> now, I'm sure you've had a few of these, but what has been your biggest screw up in business so far? Oh, I haven't many. I'm getting the partnership as one. Oh, you did? It yep. only lasted a short time and then I, we got out of it or I got out of it. Okay, got it. What, if you do it, get it, do it right and do it right. Okay. What are you most proud of? Probably being in business 30 years, I suppose. It's pretty good. Pretty good by the effort. Mm, it's pretty good, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the competitive industry like insurance. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What are you most excited about at the moment? Probably, I think, the next phase in the flooring um, mm -hmm. campaigns and whatnot and getting businesses in the flooring industry. There's, it's hitting another level in the last um, six months mm -hmm. and um, we're quite excited about... Um, what's ahead of us in that area. Awesome. And um, what's something weird that you used to do when you were a kid? <laughs> <laughs> I know there's plenty as, as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> playing with imaginary friends in a vacant block up the road, probably. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think we all do that. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> you still do that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just stick to playing with imaginary friends in a vacant block up the road. Got it. <laughs> Who is your, I know the answer to this, who is your favourite band or musician? Oh, the Rolling Stones. Uh -huh. there's, there's no other band or musician. <laughs> Can you rate... <laughs> oh, an ACDC. <laughs> Can you rate your own singing voice out of 10 for us? Oh, if I'm drunk, seven. Uh-huh. If I'm sober, if I'm sober, one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I won't ask you to give us a demo because you're sober right now. No, no, no. <laughs> what is your, uh, I know you're a bit of a foodie, what, what is your favourite food? Oh, well, my own, um, whatever I cook. Um, <laughs> I, I do do a, a brilliant chilli um, mud crab, um, mm -hmm. which is to die for. Um, but yeah, I cook a lot of stuff. So yeah, anything that I cook is good, um, but certainly my chilli mud crab. And describe the last picture you remember taking on your phone. I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't take many photos on my phone. I don't got know. It. It's probably with my kids, I'd say. Okay, got it. <laughs> What's one habit that you have that you'd love to change? Oh, exercise. I've, I've, I should do it. Um, yeah, just exercise. Tell me about it. What is the best piece mm. of advice that you've ever received? Um, look after, well, look after little clients um, as much as the big ones. Um, because um, you know you never know what's going to come out of them. So um, look after all the little clients as much as the big ones. Got it. Um, I think that's a good idea because um, they can grow mm -hmm. and you grow with them. Um, but also they could have um, uh, relatives or relatives or friends that, um, mm -hmm. that that can that can work well for you. And that's right. happened to me a number of times. Consistent service, no matter who you are. Yeah. Yep. No matter who it is. Yep. I like that. And what's been the happiest day of your life so far? Uh, my birth. Your own birth. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> well, I think 
think, oh, look, you got to you, you say the birthday your kids and your wedding yeah. and so forth, don't you? Yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> Fair I enough. Think, I, I think I think your fiftieth um, Rolling Stones birthday party was pretty good too. The fiftieth <laughs> was a very happy day. It was a, it was a great day. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling Stones, <laughs> cover band and all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jonesy, one last question. Uh, it's a fun one. What do you love most about yourself? Oh, geez, nothing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, sense of humour, I suppose. Everyone yeah. seems to say they've got a good sense of humour. So, um, I like it. I agree. And I, and, I'm, and I can be brutally honest with people too, which um, people say is a great quality of mine. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. Uh, yeah, it's probably it. Cool, mate. You could have passed that one too. You forgot. Mate, thank you very much for for coming on today. I think everyone's got a, a ton of value out of, out of your story. Even though it was a little bit a little bit of a different episode to what we normally talk about, I think it's a really important one, and, and it's something that we should all be thinking about. How can we? better serve the needs of our customers you know and and where can we how can we grow how can we expand into into new markets mate let's just yep. finish off by um if, if anyone wants to get in touch with you where can they find you um well i've got uh, my birthday number which is 1800 607 204 or the mm-hmm. website is dot com.au yep yep uh, but yeah um I, i'm i'm pretty easy to find newcastle and jones insurance brokers yep or linkedin yep. LinkedIn for our LinkedIn. international listeners. Yep, cool. Yeah, yeah. Ripper, mate. All right. Call you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, thanks for having me on, Dave. It's been been um, been good to talk about some of these things. You don't often talk to them about them much, but um, it's, yeah. it goes back some down memory lane a bit as well. So it's all good. <laughs> oh, mate, you got the you got the unreal story. So um, yeah, it's been fun. Thanks, thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Take care. My pleasure. Bye bye. See ya. Bye. episode i think it means that you've got some value out of it i hope so in return we'd love it if you could go and leave us a review on itunes stitcher google play or wherever just search the location station and don't forget to go and subscribe for free updates regular giveaways and a whole heap of other stuff fun stuff at thelocationstation.com And I'm not whispering because I want you to keep this podcast a secret. Please share with any business owner or marketer who you think will find our stuff valuable. Now go on, go and action some of the stuff that we learned today. I'll see you on the next episode.